Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The transfer portal is all the rage this time of year, or... At least we thought it was going to be. I'm your host, Thomas Frankar of the BWI Daily Edition. That's what we're talking about first is the transfer portal and the activity that Penn State has had or hasn't had both in and out so far. Penn State in the spring semester. So things you would expect should get going here pretty quickly. But that hasn't been the case so far. Only one transfer in in Mitchell Tinsley, the receiver. Uh, and the, if, you, if you've been anywhere near Penn State, fans... The one position they want to know about is offensive line. Where are the offensive linemen? James Franklin said they wanted to get tackles in the transfer portal, or at least I should say offensive linemen. I think they need tackles. So that's going to be what we'd look at today first on the BWI Daily Edition. Over at BlueWetIllustrated.com, the other day I posted an article of what makes a tackle a tackle. What are the What is the prototype? What are teams looking for in the characteristics, both physical and physical? And then some of the, the traits you possess as an athlete that make you a tackle. So two guys we're looking at today, that's where they played at their previous uh, schools. They are both in the transfer portal, so Penn State should have some interest in them. We're going to take a look at them today. So let's fire up the transfer portal. Let's get in there. Here we go. We are looking today at uh, Tyler Steen of Vanderbilt and Ryan Swoboda of Virginia. Two offensive tackle prospects that Penn State uh, either is or should be interested in uh, for this offseason. We're going to take a look at what makes them good and what they could pro possibly bring to Penn State football. That, to start there, we need to understand what Penn State football has on the roster and what they don't. And we, we started with tackles because there are three obvious players on the roster that could play at that position. And if you really want to narrow it down... One of them isn't who you're thinking of because Landon Tangwall has played, I think, on the interior, and that's been his plan for Penn State all along. Olafashunu is the left tackle as of the uh, Outback Bowl, six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounds. And then you have Caden Walls, who played all year at right tackle and played last year at right tackle, six five, three twenty five. So those are the guys. And then Tangwall, if he plays tackle, I think he's a little bit short for the position. But we'll get into more of that later in the week. Another guy as a dark horse is Ibrahim Traore, who, if you go back to some of the stuff I wrote in the article this week, fits a lot of the physical descriptions. Length, size, maybe even power. But from some of the physical aspects, watching his tape, at least in high school, where that's the last time we saw him play football, doesn't have a lot of those characteristics. So we take a look at the offensive tackles out in the portal. Let's start with the one that I think fits the best, because if you if you are projecting some things at tackle for Penn State, it seems as if Fashunu is the tackle on the left side. So let's start with Ryan Suboda, played right tackle for Virginia, six foot ten. 
He is a big dude, and he moves pretty well for it. 325. He did give up 32 pressures last season. A lot of that has to do with the way the offense works, with a lot of mobile quarterbacks that hold on to the ball. He did give up five sacks. A good pass protector, and I think would help set the edge for Penn State if they wanted to move uh, their their players around on the edge, whether or not they wanted him at left or if they wanted to move Caden Walson to the interior. That is what you're going to get from uh, Ryan Swoboda is true length and true size. There's nothing about him that plays on the interior. Six foot ten is a tall player, maybe even too tall at certain aspects. Good pass protector. I do wonder about his his uh, ability to move people off the ball as a run defender because leverage is still important, and, and it's very hard to get leverage at six ten. Even if you're fudging it and you're six nine and a quarter, that's still taller than most offensive linemen in the NFL. You're, you're borderline basketball at that point. Uh, next guy that we talked about is Tyler Steen of uh, Vanderbilt. Left tackle, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds. Uh, gave up five sacks last year, fewer pressures, but had some really, really ugly games. Uh, some of the the film I watched on him, good pass protector, but not great. And like I said, some ugly games where he gave up multiple pressures. I believe he was even benched against Georgia. Uh, they had to bring in a different tackle. I don't know if there was an injury uh, situation, but he didn't play the fourth quarter. So that was uh, something to pay attention to. A good run blocker, though. I think as an inside zone run blocker, he moves his feet well and he moves people off the ball. So those are the two guys in the transfer portal right now. A quick thumbnail preview of them. Don't want to get your hopes up in case they don't choose Penn State. And some of the things I've been reading and hearing is that uh, both of them are are definitely not coming. But Swoboda, it seems, is leaning towards... Uh, staying in the South. So that's what we've got so far from the transfer portal. Any other activity, any other players that come up that are uh, mentioned in association with Penn State or that Penn State offers, check back here at the BWI Daily Edition for a preview of who they are. And of course, if they commit, you get a full breakdown of their talents. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the next thing I want to talk about is, is a quick preview of what we're going to talk about later this week when it comes to the tight ends for Penn State football. Because when I say tight ends, you you hear didn't block well this year. Aren't they they were a total disappointment. And while I think on the whole you're not wrong, that's true. But there's more to the story than that and there's a couple important things that I want to break into when it comes to the tight ends later this week. The first is instead of evaluating a Mike Gesicki or uh, a Pat Fryermuth We have three separate guys with three separate profiles that I think as a collective, we're just lumping together. And there's more to dig into as far as how they played and how they performed last season. However, no matter how you slice it, as receivers, they weren't good enough. 48 receptions to 521 yards. That would be third on the team, but still not from an efficiency perspective, good enough at all. And and obviously, from a drop perspective, dropping roughly 10% of the passes thrown to them is a problem. Brenton Strange, as a receiver, his what was supposed to be his calling card 
he did not perform there well. This is the through the first nine games before he ceded the role of receiving tight end to Theo Johnson, essentially, in the second half of the season. Ten receptions, 139 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and three drops, which I didn't mention here. But just overall, as receivers, not good enough. But there's more I want to dig into later in the week. And the reason we're not getting to it now is because we've got to talk about basketball. We are in the middle of a transition here, not just on the show, as I welcome in my uh, cohorts, Nate Bauer and Dave Eckert, to the show for this particular conversation about Penn State basketball, who won last night over Rutgers, making it three of four to start the Big Ten season proper. But we're in a transition in general. Football, I mean, the late signing period is coming up, but we're in the offseason. So to get you through... And to to talk about something Penn State sports related, we are going to be doing more basketball here on the BWI Daily Edition as we get into the winter. So I want to bring these guys in and talk about a team that is, I think, surprisingly competitive so far this year. Nate, is that a fair way to put it with, with Penn State basketball being more competitive than you expected? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, let's not get carried away on the emphasis on basketball it's still a a football dominated right let's not scare away well i'm the host so we're gonna talk about football every day it's just how much basketball we get to (laughs) yeah yeah well and you know look like while they're doing what they're currently doing which is winning three of the last four since the restart after a 22 day layoff yeah they're interesting uh, and not to say that they weren't interesting before that layoff, but it's kind of a tale of uh, very much two seasons right now in the sense that, you know, they were kind of middling in in the first half of the year. This yeah. was a team that had a lot of new pieces um, and, and just the melding process was it, you, you could visibly see them go through some growing pains of trying to get together and then they just disappeared. so like from that was the issue there was covid right dave that was the issue that through the holiday season and then uh into big 10 season there was a the bit of a hiccup in the schedule yeah so they missed two games once uh one a road trip to vcu which i thought actually would have been an, an, an interesting game and then they missed a home game with quinnipiac because of their own covid problems then they got over it and we're ready to play Delaware State at home, and Delaware State had COVID problems, so they missed uh, three three games total. So with that in mind and the growing pains in mind, there was really a lot of unknown about this team coming into the Big Ten season from personality to, you know, you know some of the players that are coming back, and we talked a little bit about them on the show on Monday. But, uh, Nate, what is the personality so far of this team under Micah Shrewsbury in, you know, that you've seen grow over that time that you were talking about? Yeah, I I think that, that there's kind of two, there's kind of two different avenues that I would explore. The first is what John Hara has really kind of honed in on, which is defensively. They're solid. Like they're just tough. They, they, Played North or uh, Rutgers on Tuesday night to forty nine points. Like Rutgers is not great and kind of plays ugly. Exactly, like plays ugly basketball to begin with. But forty nine points is forty nine points, and so to do that in a Big Ten game, um, you know that's that's it. Kind of it's indicative of where they're going defensively. I think that they're a pretty good team. And to be honest with you, I mean even even the Purdue game, Purdue put up 
what 74 77 one of those two yeah. but that's a that's a loaded purdue team that yeah. is a loaded purdue team and purdue's going to put up 80 plus on a lot of teams this season so just generally speaking the defense i think is is one avenue and then the second is they get hot they get hot like they they just they have a lot of different scoring avenues yeah. um you know maybe more so than they've had in the past, right? Like, I mean, I think that that Dave can attest to this. One of the defining features of Penn State basketball has been having an absolute superstar scorer and no one else that can <laughs> score the basketball. Everyone get out of the way. Lamar Stevens is playing ISO on one side. That was what it Correct. was for several seasons. BJ Newbill, yep. you name it. I mean, Tony Carr. That, that has been a defining characteristic of Penn State basketball through the years and now they've you know as as Dave can attest they they've got you know a handful really four or five guys who can put up 15 20 on any given night so who Dave who are those guys and how have they played during this three game winning streak yeah i think it's got to start with with Jalen Pickett um he's a transfer guard from Siena he was, I believe, all uh, MAC, which is the M-A-A-C. Um, <laughs> uh, By the for, way, for three... <laughs> I think it was the Northwestern game. The play-by-play guy made that joke, and I loved it. And then he spent six minutes explaining the MAC. <laughs> I'm like, just, go, just roll with it, guy. That was awesome. So tell me about the MAC. Uh, it's not a very good conference, but Jalen Pickett is a good <laughs> basketball player. Uh so yeah, he's he's been awesome for Penn State. He's been so good. Um, he, I think he had uh, he had 15 points against Rutgers. I think he had 20 plus against Purdue. I don't have the stats in front of me. He's been great ever since this COVID this COVID pause. He's been absolutely awesome. He's you know Purdue coach Matt Painter, um, who is kind of Michael Shrewsbury's mentor, kind of said he plays an old man's game, and it's true because he he takes a ton of mid range jump shots that in modern basketball probably aren't deemed good shots, but he makes them. Um, he's awesome late in the shot clock. Nate and I on, on Tuesday, we're just looking at each other. Like is this guy ever going to miss one of these chucks at the end of the shot clock, because he's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, so he's been great. And then, you know, down low, they have John Hera who reliably scores. Uh, I think he's still one of two players in the big 10 averaging a double double. And then I, you look at I don't want to I don't want to paint John Hara into this uh, always be the try hard guy because I I've seen him get better as an offensive player over time, but he is very much getting the offensive rebounds, cleaning up mistakes, putting points back. He he's not like a uh, true offensive defensive threat on the floor, is he or or am I underselling what he's turned himself into here in his sixth year? I think maybe a little bit. Uh, he, he, he did. He defends well. He, he that's he's always defended well and then you know i think occasionally he'll pop something out of his bag that you're like that was a nice move john you know he uh <laughs> yeah he, he shot boo you t frank don't you undersell john Hera? i i i don't want to i i also enjoy watching him play basketball <laughs> yeah he had a nice little baby hook with his left hand against Rutgers. you know he's 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 doing it um, and then beyond him, they have a collection of, of guys who maybe aren't as reliable, but typically one of them will get it going in a game. And, and you know, in that category, Sam Sessoms, uh, Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd, uh, Greg Lee now. So, you know, they have some they have some contributors to back up the the 
perennial scorers, I guess, uh, that Penn State has always had. Both of these guys wrote awesome articles at bluewhiteillustrated.com that I used as my prep for this show. Uh, and if you want to check those out, bluewhiteillustrated.com is where you find it. And uh, one more time, because you need to hear something three times, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for just $1. 12 months of access. You get all the premium content. And if you want to go uh, into the message board and yell at me about something, maybe that I'm disrespecting John Hara, people have been really happy to yell at me about the offensive line this week, about some of the things I've written there. So uh, that's where you can go do that. We can have a conversation about all that stuff. I love having conversations in the message forum uh, about scheme and tactics and, and all of those things when it comes to football. And if you want to ask some basketball questions of our experts and reporters who you see here, you can always do that, but you have to sign up, be a premium member to get on the premium message board to do that. Uh, which one of you wrote about Sam Sessoms? I know that there was a story uh, when it came to he was benched in the Purdue game, right? Yeah, I included that in my in my okay. notebook. Just so tell me about that story. Give sure. me a little bit of background about Sam Sessoms, who's been here now for two years, right? Yeah. Um, so Sam got benched against Purdue, basically reading through the lines for for not trying hard enough. Um, Michael Shrewsbury was was not happy, and you saw him kind of laying into laying into Sam a little bit uh, on on Saturday. Um, I think he played seven minutes, which is nothing for him. I mean, he's usually at least a 20 minute per game guy. So, um, yeah, he got benched and, and he got yelled at, but you know, he handled it well. Micah Shrewsbury said he handled it very well. Um, he said these last two days before the Rutgers game were really hard for him mentally. I guess just knowing that he didn't give what he could give. Um, he said, I think that that's the one thing that he can control and he didn't control it. And then he came out against Rutgers and was awesome. Uh, 17 points, 3 of 3 from, from beyond the arc, 7 of 10 from the field, 6 assists, which is awesome. Uh, he was great. He was their best player, easily. So the reason I want to ask about, about that is because I want to get to know Micah Shrewsbury a little bit as a coach and kind of give an idea of what... Uh, Basketball is going to be like under Micah Shrewsbury when it comes to the way he interacts with players, the play style, all that stuff. And and that, to me, was one thing that gave me an indication of that. Nate, is that a fair assessment? And what is your uh, what is your idea of what Micah Shrewsbury is as a coach for Penn State in his first season? Yeah, I, I think that certainly spending any time around him, he has such an ease about him, just a a nice guy, uh, you know, it, it sounds reductive, but it's true. He's just, he's friendly and he's funny and he's disarming that seeing him coach in a game, like he can get fired up. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you know, one of the consistencies through this season is every time he does a post-game interview, he, he doesn't have a voice because he screams throughout the game. <laughs> um, and so you've, you've got this dichotomy of, ah, you know, really nice guy and, and the refs are constantly laughing, you know, he's, he's, he's getting into them, but also says something funny that, you know, will will keep things a little bit light. But then meanwhile, particular to Sam's situation on Saturday against Purdue, <laughs> I mean, he, he was screaming <laughs> at Sam Sessoms from this far away <laughs> like it was face to face get into it 
let's go right and and just land into him and you know i mean i think that 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 one of the things that he said last night that that really struck me um particular to 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 sam was he he called him a um dave maybe help me here a a, a locker room lawyer that yes. you, that after yeah. <laughs> after after a game like that when you get screamed at you can become a locker room lawyer right like players have two options they can be a locker room lawyer and go find somebody else who hasn't played and then debate the merits of why a coach is horrible and a bad person for doing that to you right like that mm-hmm. that's an easy way out and what he said was Sam didn't do that Sam understood that his performance wasn't up to the standard and the task and he went to work and he just kept his head down and 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 dealt with it right i mean no, nobody's perfect nobody goes through these things unscathed um but but to me that like that is a a fairly solid representation and example of the type of coach that he is is that yeah he's going to give you tough love and he's going to be mad and he's going to be he's like uh, a little scary like i don't think you want to mess with that dude when that's what's happening but at the same time he's he's going to support unconditionally unconditional support and love and and all of those underlying elements um you know that that makes somebody a good leader and a good coach BWI Daily Edition, we're talking about Penn State Hoops. They've won three of their last four in the Big Ten. Picking up, uh, I think what we talked about earlier this week is that they are going to be a team that's going to be in every single game because of what Nate just said and the new direction under Micah Shrewsbury. Uh, A couple last questions when it comes to Shrewsbury. Is this the way he wants to play? Defensive basketball, holding the ball, toughness, holding your team to 20 points a game? Or is this what he has to do with this particular group of players and John Harrow, who is an excellent defender in in the paint? Um, and then I guess really how adaptive of a coach do you think he's been so far this season? Uh, Dave, your thoughts first. Yeah, it's interesting because I do think that the general like slowness of what you see with Penn State right now is sticky. Um, you know, he's he's made it very clear several times that this is not going to be a team that thrives on turnovers and runs the floor, right? And that's really as the Pat Chambers team started to get more athletic and just generally better, that's what we saw a lot of. Even last year with with Jim Jim Ferry, they I mean that, that's all they tried to do. They just were they were like, We're gonna force turnovers because we don't think we can beat you in the half court. Um Micah, Micah's approach has been the opposite. Uh, Penn State plays in the half court all the time. Um, so I do think that part of it is sticky. Um, maybe as they get some better athletes, maybe as they get guys that fit his vision better, that will change. But for now, I mean, it's working. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, Nate, like if you told me that they would be three and three in the Big Ten, <laughs> you know, at the start of the season, I'd have called you absolutely insane. Seriously, it's it's uh, it's going extremely well relative to my preseason expectations. And I don't know about Nate's, but that's my perception. Yeah, I, th- I mean, certainly I think that that it was understood that they were going to have some challenges. I mean, look, they still have some holes in the roster. I, I mean, I am not going to beat this horse to death, but like Isaiah Brockington is killing it right now. <laughs> 
and he is the one piece that if he was still at Penn State, this would this would actually be not just a dangerous team, but a legitimately good team. Like Jalen Pickett is a good basketball player. John Hara is a good basketball player. Seth Lundy is a good basketball player. Like there's those are three guys right there that you can absolutely work with uh and and, and have some success. So no, I mean I I look, I, I'm interested to see what is a matter of making do with your circumstances, right? I mean, you look, you inherit a program. Yeah. And it kind of is what it is. Uh, and there, again, there are some, there were some good pieces already at Penn state. He brought some good pieces in through the transfer portal. He bought some, some serviceable pieces in through the transfer portal, right? Like, I mean, you just, you got to make a roster yeah. uh, when yeah. you have as many departures as Penn state had. So I think that it was, it was smart to focus intently on the defensive end of the floor first like i think that that was the thing that he wanted to establish first even though his identity um you know was really kind of came in as this offensive guy he ran Purdue's offense um and so you know to 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 look at your ingredients to see john Hara, to see seth lundy and say hey these are some guys that we can build on defensively we can establish this foundation and then and then see how it goes right i mean look like <laughs> Dave and I talk about this all the time. There aren't at this level easy buckets. Like you're not you're not gonna, just gonna have runouts all game. And so at some point, it's a matter of all right, is the shot open? And then did it go in? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and even if the shot isn't open, can you get some of those to go in? Right. I mean, but yeah. but that but that combination is like the most that coaching can do at this level is get you the open shot, get yeah. you a, a, a fraction of space and a fraction of a second to get off an open shot. Once that happens, it's, it's on the player to either make it or not. And the reality for Penn state is that their percentages this year, I think shooting wise have been considerably higher than I would have anticipated. Yeah. Right. I, I would have put this team as a low forties shooting team. And last night they made 47% of their shots from the floor and Purdue was something similar. So, uh, going back to you, Dave, how is the acquisition of better talent going? What's uh, is there any update on the recruiting news for Penn State basketball uh, at this point? You know, knowing that a three games, a three three wins in four games isn't going to change anything dramatically, but the process is ongoing both on and off the court. Yeah, I uh, since we last spoke, not really. Uh, you know, they they have. Uh, a very, very good recruiting class coming in next season with five guys uh, kind of headlined by Jamil Brown, who is a blue chip point guard who committed to Shrewsbury when he was at Purdue. And um, now he's he's committed to that, that sign to play for Penn State. And in 2023, they've, they've got one commit as they kind of look toward that class, and that is Braden Shrewsbury. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's actually he's playing for State High, tearing it up. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going well. And, and, and really, you know, I guess I, I, for, as far as this season, right, the 2021-22 basketball season, I feel like they're playing with house money on the recruiting front a little bit because mm -hmm. if they're good, that benefits them. That's great. They can, they can point to that and say, hey, you know, we, this is what we want to do. Come play, come play for us. If they're, if they're not, 
okay, it's year one. He doesn't have any of his guys. Like it's it's a very right. easy sell. And and so to me, it's house money. So they can continue to keep this up. I, I think that only helps them. Uh, this is throw this out there. Is there anything that you want to cover that we didn't? I'm not the basketball guy, uh, so I just want to make sure I'm learning along with the audience about a lot of this stuff. So, there's anything we didn't cover today about Penn State basketball that's intrigued both of you or either of you, uh, Nate? Anything you want to talk about that we didn't mention? For sure, um, and and it's you know how I like to get into the psychology of things. Yeah, uh, all all of the intangibles that you can't actually quantify, but the one the one thing that I keep hearing players say and coach say and it doesn't sound like you know lip service is the notion of buy-in mm-hmm. right like Mike Shrewsbury came to certainly uh, I mean look like Seth Lundy and John Harrell were both in the transfer portal he he convinced them the coaching staff convinced those guys to be able to to come back um you know, so certainly there's a there's a little bit of a sense of unease based on what had happened uh, prior to his arrival for those yeah. players. Um, you you bring in this collection, this disparate group, right, of transfer portal, you know, what have you, right? I mean, they're just they're from all over the place, different levels, and you just you you don't know how they're going to mix. And I think that that what became clear was you had so many older guys right who are not necessarily set in their ways he Shrewsbury talked about it the other day it's not malicious it's not like a uh, oh well I'm I'm just gonna do my own thing it's hey it's hard to unbreak habits yeah this is and what I know for, and this is how I know how to do it you're trying correct. to get me to start over on those things correct yeah. and so for Micah Shrewsbury I think that what you saw in the first really two months of the season, six weeks of the season before the shutdown was this kind of one toe in, one toe out, one foot in, one foot out of the water, right? It just, it wasn't a complete collective belief slash buy-in. And now over the last four games, really since the turn of the calendar, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, you see a team that it's just, it's visually, evident that they are connected understand what he wants to accomplish understand what their role is in accomplishing it and then embracing that um and so that you know i think that bodes fairly well i don't i don't know what the the record's going to be the rest of the way it's a competitive league obviously top to bottom you got some teams that are winless in the big 10 that are traditionally pretty good so it it's going to be interesting the rest of the way but at the very least um, you know, it, it certainly seems like a group that, that is capable of, of doing some damage. Dave, where'd I mess up? What didn't I ask you? <laughs> I think you, I think you covered it. I think you did pretty good. Um, yeah, I guess just, just adding on to what Nate said there about the, the cohesion. I mean, something that I think we haven't acknowledged as much as maybe as we should have is that John Hera almost didn't come back. And I don't think any of this happens if John Hera is not on this roster. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's the building block. He's the foundation of all of this. And and yep. Micah Shrewsbury has has said that. So I think that even even if if Penn State is good three years from now, I think you can look back on that decision 
as one that was extremely influential in in whatever future future success Micah Shrewsbury has here. So we'll be yeah. doing this every once in a while, coming up talking about basketball as we go through the off season. Uh, so. I hope you enjoy our conversations here about Penn State basketball and about Penn State sports. We're also, don't worry, it's it's as much a scheduling thing as it is anything else. That We haven't had Greg Pickle on the BWI Daily Edition to talk about wrestling as well because, I mean, if you want to talk about an offseason, if you want to talk about a non-football sport that people love, it would be wrestling. We're going to be getting to that as well, but thanks. And I always say, I don't ever want to just beg for your likes. I'm going to earn them. So if you're listening to the show when the outro music is playing... You definitely liked it. Hit the like button on the video. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. And uh, we'll be doing more of this in the offseason. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.